is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble in fact. Each story into the game is gotten. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, 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 what is up? My name is Monkey. And I'm Heath. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. We're coming to you every single day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. Yeah, and along with hearing our soothing sounds and voices of Monkey and myself, we've also got an amazing interview with the one and only Nadia Nadim. It's incredible. You don't want to miss that. And then... Our man, Ellie Menjim, is the man behind our Derby Day series and brought us a little bit different of an approach to this year's team previews and is going to tell you everything you need to know about the teams and the countries in this tournament today with France and Korea ahead of their opening match to kick off the tournament. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. So, um, yeah, we sat in a basement in the middle of Paris, right by the Pompidou in the clubhouse. It actually is still getting set up around us right now. Yeah. Can but could you ask for a better place? You'll probably hear some people behind us like sweeping up and down. stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, come and join us. We're going to be here. Not outside like handing out flies or anything, but like we will be here having a lovely time. I was worried for a minute that somebody was going to be like, <laughs> oh, you know what? Heath and Monkey are going to have some downtime. Let's just get them as like our <laughs> Red Bull Wings team out around the city handing out flyers saying, do you like the party? <laughs> do you like the party? Do you like do you football? Like football? <laughs> you have no idea what we have in store for you. No, but we're going to be uh, screening all the matches here. Yep. Uh, we're going to have some events, some parties, all kinds of different things for the entire month of June while we're here. It's going to be amazing. So uh, if you are in Paris, make sure you stop by. Find us on any any one of our social platforms, personal or Copa 90s, and we will direct you uh, because I don't have the address here off the top of my head. Um, even, even if I did, point. it's in French and I'd be yeah. absolutely awful at saying it live on air. Yeah. Um, also, hashtag Copa90 inside out if you want to give us a little shout out on socials. So, right, first off, let's get into the tournament. All right. Favorites for you? US. Why, why are you even asking me that? Don't, don't start. Don't start with favorites right off the top. You know where I'm coming from. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to go with the US. I, I, I wouldn't say that they're favorites, but that's who I would like to see win, obviously. Um, but again, looking at, at last summer, there was something. I, I was in Russia for a lot of the World Cup last summer, and there was just something really unique happening with England and just sort of the national team coming back together with the people of the country, just sort of in like and a remarrying type thing that really brought the country to life and made it really, really fun for people around the globe to watch all the beer throwing and all the craziness happening. So I hope that England does well. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna obviously say England, but not just because I'm, I'm being a bit biased. Also, I actually genuinely think that we've got a really, really, really good chance. We've, the strongest that we've ever been as a team. And also, it's actually the strongest World Cup, I think, today in terms of like how equal the playing field is obviously you guys dominated for a very very long time and so did Germany as well and now it all seems very even France have got an amazing chance they're obviously the hosts as well which always helps it's so important when the hosts do well I think just because you have to you have to you have to ignite the local community you have to ignite the the host country to really get everyone behind it I mean even with here with the clubhouse we're going to rely on a lot of people locally to come and join and take part in what we're trying to do here. So it always helps if, if, if the hosts do well. Yeah. And they have seven players 
uh, from Lyon, who won the Champions League this year, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, when you talk to when you talk to people too, the the differences between club and country are so distinct in terms of training with your team every single day that you 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 do with your club team, and it's always hard when you come together late for your country. But when you have some of these national teams where half the squad or half the starting squad plays on the same club team, it's such an advantage because there's so much less to figure out along the way because you know how each other play, you know the movements. And when you're key members of the squad, it's only going to make things easier. Yeah, exactly. Although historically, they've not done too well together. So we'll see. I reckon they'll probably turn up this this World Cup. I spoke to Tony Duggan the other day and she was saying that she only had two days off between the Champions League final and going to camp. That's crazy. Or three. Three at max, but still that's pretty much nothing, is it? Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, that's when you start to see the... You always worry about the burnout of these long seasons and they go into to summer tournaments, but obviously it's the World Cup. You know, I think everybody's going to be up for it. I don't think it's necessarily a, a mental burnout as much as it is like physical. Hope to not see any any injuries from people who've been playing, you know, 50, 40, 50 games yeah. already so far this year. But there's nine host cities, 52 matches, 24 teams up since the 2015 World Cup. There's now 24 teams within the tournament. VAR is going to be used in this tournament, which is yep. a, a really exciting thing. It's going to give us lots to talk about, I hope. I mean, I hope that the referees are on the good side of the VAR, but if they're not, we're going to make sure that we criticize them right here each and every time <laughs> that they mess up because we're perfect. And uh, anybody who's less than perfect, we make sure we call them out on here. I love being a ref. Yeah. Like yeah. watching and being a ref. No, never be a ref. Who wants to be a ref? Who grows up and is like, really want to be a ref? I don't know. No one. I mean, somebody somebody has to at a certain point. Do you think, like, do you think that somebody took a wrong turn and was like, <sighs> yeah, I, I guess so. I'll just be a ref? I think, honestly, yeah. I'm just like, is it, have you ever met a kid and they're like, when I grow up, I want to be a referee? Well, actually, I just saw something that, that we had done with PayPal and Copa90 where there's a young referee in England that she's coming up the ranks. And it was a really cool story that she's like at a young age is training to be a professional cool. referee. But, I'm not trying to like discourage any young people that want to be referees, but that someone has got to do it. And if you love it, then great. But like, it's a hard job. She she had the right perspective though, where it was it was like very self deprecating, knew where to draw the line. She had that the right type of attitude and mentality. Like if somebody said something to me, like one time it's like I'm in your face if I was a referee. The second time we're fighting, and so I don't think it would work. <laughs> you could not yeah, be a good. Ref. I wouldn't be a good ref. You have to have a very calm demeanor. But I did notice playing in a couple of uh, Copa 90 office matches in a league in, in, in London that the refs love in, in, in England to, to, to create their own narrative and storylines at the record. Yes. It was amazing. Why is that a thing? I they like know. commentate on the game when you're playing it. I found that as well. Oh my God, I'm gl- so glad that I'm not the only person. And I'm just like, dude, shut up. I'm trying to play football here. And he's like, great shot. And I'm like, I don't need you to tell me that. <laughs> there, there, Thanks. Yeah. There's two things that I, I, I learned while I was uh, in the UK over the last month. And that was one, you're not allowed to say leave it. Yeah, you're not allowed to say leave it. And that does not exist other places. Well, really? at least not at the international level. I've never heard, if you were purposely deceiving someone, right? If, so if you were deceiving the other team, telling them to leave it yeah. and you out of advantage, that would be unsportsmanlike, right? So that would be the ref's discretion to yeah. call a foul for that. But in general, it's it is absolute in the UK that you learn apparently. Yeah, you're not allowed to. From like, from like elementary school, or what, what's a, a primary, primary school, school here yeah. that they teach you, and it's like burned into you as this thing that you do not do. And I've been called for it twice, and the first time I had no idea, and I thought they were like somebody was making a joke, and then yeah. the second time I realized that this is just something that you don't do. But I've I've learned that. The second thing I learned is that with the referees getting involved, we had one of our our guys from the office go into a tackle, arrive late, get no ball, and go foot to foot with somebody, actually fractured his foot, and the ref was like, what a challenge! 
and anywhere else it would have been a complete sending off and probably like kicked out of the league for the rest of the season. But in this case, the ref thought it was great, even though he arrived late and broke his foot because it was just foot on foot, and he's like hobbling around, like I legitimately saw him broke in the foot. office. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's quite a few Copa office um, injuries of late. Anyway, yeah. So obviously not quite there yet. So uh, to the tournament, let's talk about who's not going to be there that you wish was there before we move on to days and days and days and days of, of talking about the tournament and all the, all the magic that happens. The obvious one that everyone's talking about, and rightly so as well, Arda Heidelberg, Hedeberg, I've said it right now, yep. Hedeberg, I always get her name wrong. And she should be representing Norway if she decided to be in the tournament. Obviously, it's her own choice not to be here, and she has all the right to do that. It's not been like widely properly explained why she is. She did at one point, and that got resolved, and then... There's another problem which she's standing up for. I think you know more than me on this topic. Yeah, I think many people thought it was financial. So Mm. when the Norwegian men's team decided to drop their bonuses to equal the bonuses of the women's team, it was a big, big moment. But she still decided to hold out saying, uh, which confused a lot of, I think a few of the US women had spoken up saying, I don't understand what she actually wants then if she achieved this. And I think she was trying to make a point that this wasn't purely financial, it was an actual treatment. It was the way that they were treated in general, not just a, a, an exchange of, of, of money, but how that they were regarded and viewed and treated a, a, as players and as professionals wasn't to where she wanted. And I think this is the first step in her journey was getting those bonuses at that point, but it's obviously a far larger issue than that. But Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of sort of like news news about it that she's not going to be there obviously because she's the best player in the world but let's not forget that Norway qualified without her this whole time so they're they're strong they're they're going to be some a team to be reckoned reckoned with I think as well but yeah I think I'm definitely going to miss her play because I haven't seen her play that much to be honest live anyway yeah she's it is one too for myself being in the U.S. I haven't had a chance to watch her play a lot yeah but when you mention her name anywhere People talk about her as if she is, and I mean, she is the best player in the world at the moment and has won the first Ballon d'Or uh, on the women's side or the official Ballon d'Or for the women's side or whatever, when they changed it to the name of that. So she's obviously incredible, but the way people talk about her is like, you do not want to miss this. But unfortunately, at least for the on the biggest stage, we're going to miss it this time around. Another player, though, who we are going, we, we just spent a little time with, I got a chance to spend time with, is Nadia Nadim. Uh, missed out via a playoff to get into the World Cup with Denmark. She's got 95 caps with the national team. We had a chance to spend a little bit of time with her, and she told us a little bit about her story, which is really, really... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Unique, so enjoy. These are the icons. Nadia, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I've been watching you on social media. You've been traveling all over the world. So thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing great actually but tired so nadia i just want to start obviously you've got an incredible story i'd love it if you shared as much as you could about it or comfortable sharing what you want about it want to start with your childhood sort of move into your formative years and then now where you're at in adulthood and what's going on with you is that cool 
Yeah, that's cool. All right, so you were born in Afghanistan. Do you remember much about those younger years? Uh, correct, yeah, born in Afghanistan. When we fled the country, I was like around 10, 11, so I remember everything. I have like, you know, mixed memories, um, good ones, happy ones before the war and then during the war not so happy right and you use a very specific wording right now where you fled the country for people who don't know your story explain a little bit about that period of when you left my dad was killed by the taliban in afghanistan so around the year 2000 we fled the country because it was unsafe for me uh, my mom and for other sisters to be in a place where yeah women didn't really have any rights my mom found some people who could help us out of the country and we were smuggled out of Afghanistan to Pakistan from there with fake passports to Italy and from Italy transported behind trucks to Denmark. I remember reading or, or hearing something about a gesture that was made for you the moment you had gotten off that truck. You had been on there for quite a while. Tell me about that and what your first reaction was. Yeah. So basically, we were behind this truck with uh, yeah, no food, no water, no nothing. We've been there like for almost like I don't know, 50 hours. The only thing I remember really clearly is that I was super, super hungry, and that we were confused about where we were. But like when we kind of figured out that we were in Denmark, which was a big surprise for us because we was expecting to be in England actually because we have family there. Wait, so hold on. You're telling me that you thought you were moving to potentially England. <laughs> You've now had a career as a as a Danish international by accident. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> no, L listen. I mean, it's not the how it works. We just wanted to obviously be with our like my grandparents uh, in England, and we want to be close to them. But once we figure out that there was Denmark, we were because my mom asked this old guy, and he was like looking confused at us and trying to explain that we were in Denmark. Then we don't really head you know we were just happy that we were together and we were safe it is what it is um, and i'm super happy that i've got a second chance and uh, it's fate i guess how is it that you're able to have gone through so much yet somehow you have the ability to tell this story which comes with so much pain and trauma uh, at, at such a young age with you, you tell it with such I don't know I, I guess for me it would, it would be hard to ever even wrap my head around going through something like that yet you, you you tell it with such kind of poise I feel you know some stuff you don't really can control it's not in your hands these stuff happens to a lot of people there's two ways you, you can look at it one this situation that happened to me can determine how I'm gonna be or you know like sit down and cry over for ages and like have a hard time whatever happened made me to the person i am today and i know it sounds weird but i'm like grateful to be this person i am today and all the stuff that happened led me to this point right now amazing talk to me about the refugee camp where the first time you had seen females playing football yeah it was a refugee camp and uh the club and refugee was divided by some route and then like there was a fence around the the kids used to go uh, around one o'clock because that's where our school our danish classes would finish and we were like six seven kids uh, from different countries we used to go and watch uh, these people train on the fields and that was the first time i saw a girls team play football and i was like holy shit i didn't knew this existed you know I know my dad was a huge football fan and that's also him who introduced us to football but like I've never imagined seeing girls play football because you just don't 
I was amazed, shocked and amazed. And I was like, I kind of want to try this as well. So then you get finally settled in into Denmark. You're heading into your, your sort of teenage years. Your mom's working three jobs. What was your family situation like there? Uh, financially, was it a struggle within the house? I mean, what was it like at that point in your life? Yeah, it was it was hard, not gonna lie. Uh, but like, I've always been grateful. You always compare yourself. I know you shouldn't, but as a kid, it was hard, you know, to see, to see what other kids were like doing and what I was doing. Again, I accepted it and I knew it is what it is and I wanted to change it. I've worked since I was like almost 12, 13 years old. Um, I've never stopped working because I wanted to change that situation. And how much do you think that that background has prepared you for the women's football space? Especially in the US, we find that the women are so active, right? They have a very entrepreneurial mindset because everything they do is part of their brand and part of their ability to earn a living and part of their ability to sort of push forward and, and set themselves up for a future. Do you think that is what sort of crafted your mentality? Yeah, I would say so definitely. But I feel when it comes to football, money has never been my motivation, if I can say it that way. You know, I do a lot of camps, but I don't have my own camp because I rather would go like to yeah places where kids would usually never have the money to afford a camp, you know, can play football. So I'm going to earn a lot of money and I'm going to do it through my probably my career as a, as a surgeon. But through football, now nah, it's been always been my passion. You know, I play football because I freaking love it, not because of the money and everything around it. Yeah, it's a bonus, but I would, the stuff I do usually, it's not because uh, I want to, how do you say, advance my financial situation. Amazing. So you move forward to sort of like your, your late teens and at 19, you finish your first semester towards med school. You want to be a doctor uh, from what I understand, but at the same time, you're being called into your first national team camp, correct? Yeah. Talk to me about sort of how that played out with the counselor, you know, all the things that you were going through at that moment in your life. Um, yeah. So basically I've been working really hard to, yeah, become on the national team. That was my, that's my, that was my goal, you know, be among the best in the country. And finally I got called up, uh, after like, you know, having issues with my passport, all this struggle, finally getting there and I get called up. Uh, they're like, Nadia, you've been selected for the Algarve Cup or the national team. And I'm like, yeah, finally. But unfortunately I have the same, uh, I have an exam, one of the most important, hardest exams in the medicine and uh, second semester's exam. So I went to do my counselor, I was like, hi, uh, <laughs> I have an issue. Is it possible to maybe reschedule my exams or maybe take like the re-exam for whatever because I'm gonna be with the national team? And the lady looked at me as I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm like a stupid person, and she's like, "Well, that's too bad for you, Miss Nadim. You can't be a footballer and a doctor. What's more important to you?" Yeah, and I'm like, "No, I don't want to choose. Why do you have to choose? I want both." And so I was again pissed me off and super motivated to prove her wrong because you know I don't know what it is, but I have this thing when people deny me something or tell me I can't do it, then I wanted to do it even more. When you win over that, the feeling afterwards is freaking awesome. <laughs> I, I, and I I wanted to prove her wrong, and I did. That's amazing. So you've you've now spanned a career across. Denmark, the US, 
the UK. What's left for you to accomplish as a footballer? I really, really, really want to win the Champions League. That's also one of the reasons I moved to PSG. That's like one of yeah my biggest dream. I was actually in Budapest to watch the women's final and standing on the stands watching uh, Lyon win. That actually hurt me a tiny bit, my heart, you know, like as a, it was awesome. It was like really sick atmosphere and everything and fully deserved by Lyon. But, uh, you know, as a football player, I don't want to stand there ever again and watch that next time I want to be on the field. The day after, you know, my flight was, I don't know, around 11 or something. And I came really late in bed as well. I was up at seven to go to the gym because I was like, I first start working now. <laughs> I do not want to be there and watch that. I want to stand there. So, yeah. Amazing. And Nadia, you've been an inspiration for so many. If there's one impact, I guess, you want to leave on the sport or leave on the game, what would you want that to be? I think one thing that I want to show people is like what is possible uh, with dreams and believing in yourself we live in a, in a society right now that where you've been judged a lot and there's a lot of people in situations where it seems impossible you know and i hope that some of them look up and see you know what it's, it's not possible because i've seen people in similar situations coming out of this i really hope even if there's one person hearing and seeing me or my situation or my history that that's going to affect their life as well that's why i'm still willing usually to share my story and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, as you said, it's not always easy to talk about this, but again, I feel I have a obligation to help. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, again, thanks for being such an inspiration for everyone across the world. And we look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Hashtag Copper90 Icons. Yo, what an amazing story. Oh yeah. What an amazing woman. I'm like fired up right now. What a character. I'm I, know, I feel like I want to go out and do, do some shit. Yeah. Like, I, 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 feel like, some shit. I feel like I'm not going to go out and do no. that, but <laughs> it's inspiring. When I hear her story, I'm like, wow, I need to do a I lot. <laughs> I don't need to just get started. I need to do a lot more to get on her yeah. level, but she's so, she's so cool and so real about it all that it's like, I don't even know how you get to that point emotionally after you've been through that much. And she seems so like level-headed and grounded and she didn't stop playing until she was like, 10 did she say she, she saw it in the uh in the camp That's yeah so she saw on on the other side of the fence yeah. in that refugee camp she saw a girl playing football and that was the first time she had ever seen that so imagine just the foreign nature of that yeah that the first time she'd ever seen a female footballer was on the other side of the fence where she was kind of stuck inside of a camp a refugee camp playing with a ball and and she went on to say in that interview that like she was doing unbelievable tricks with the ball just magic with the ball and she just became obsessed and and from that point on she became obsessed with with playing realizing that it could be not even necessarily professionally but like a, a real thing in her life just even being able to play yeah she said she was around around 10 years old or something which is kind of late to pick up football if you play professionally at, at this point now so the fact that she got that good that quick as well is amazing and she even said she, she was like you know I want, I want to be with the best in the team to have that mindset is outstanding I think yeah, and what's also unique about it is that she's now one credit away from becoming a doctor. So one class. <laughs> yeah. You know, towards the end of the conversation, we were talking a little bit about just that class you have to, I think it's like you have to, you only have a certain amount of time to finish that class. Like you have to mm -hmm. go through and then you have to go straight into your residency as a doctor from there. And so she could finish that class and play a few more months with 
Dr. Nadim on, on, on her. That's amazing. Imagine having <laughs> Nadi Nadim or MD on the back of, uh, uh, of your kit for the last few months that you're playing, just doctor. What a s- s- amazing story. Amazing story. Like the fact that she like went through all that hardship as a young person, came out, has had an amazing football career, is an international player, and then was just like, you know what? I'm going to be a doctor as well. Like at that point before that, I would have been like, well done. Like you've smashed life. But now she's like, no, I've still got more to give. And it's in a completely different realm as well. And an unbelievably impressive one. Yeah. It's obviously sad we won't get to see her at this World Cup, but it's also a gift for us because we got a chance to chat with her when a lot of people were unavailable and she's she's likely going to come to the clubhouse so Amazing. we'll get to hang out with I her in person in the flesh her yeah and ask her so many questions yeah we're going to bring her down in, here into the uh into the submarine <laughs> of our studio and just not let her out just hang out with her and be like all right time is up you can go now and then everybody's going to be mad because they didn't get to hang out with her at all but is what it is who are you looking forward to watch play in the tournament that's a good question i mean team wise i want to see france that's that's the main thing for me. I, yeah. On an individual level, there's so many quality players that can impact their squad, which makes it so hard to to predict who's going to do well because it's a lot of it. Some of them are just difference makers. Yeah. But but I really want to see France. They've got such a mix of of experience within the team. They play really attractive football, and they're the hosts, right? I mean, I feel like so much of it. And again, looking back at the last World Cup, we saw at the beginning with with Russia. It went up 1-0. I was in a, a fan park at the time and everybody was like, kind of like, I mean, every, the whole place was drunk and enjoying themselves. But yeah. like, everybody was kind of just like feeling it out, right? And then it went 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. And by then we were all Russian. We were all like, <laughs> this is going to be the best thing ever. And none of us had any skin in the game with Russia playing against Saudi Arabia. We were just fans of the game. But by then we were just like, okay, the host doing well is a massive thing. And when the hosts do well, people can rally behind that. And then it just sort of just brings the tournament to life even more when 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 the country itself is successful. Yeah, that was a crazy opening game, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I th- yeah, I think France are going to have a great World Cup. I hope so anyway, because like you said, it it definitely brings the country like more into the spirit of the tournament. But personally, Vivian Miedemar for me, yeah, for Holland. I'm a Gunnar. I'm an Arsenal fan, so she smashed it this season for Arsenal ladies champions just saying just putting it out there I've never seen her play in in a World Cup before so I'm looking forward to watching her play I've never seen her play in a World Cup before either but I have you're gonna be jealous of this seen her play in her apartment her house yeah what her and Lisa Evans live together and they have a big apartment with really wide hallways where they have penalty <laughs> shootouts against each other. And there's a ball rolling what? around always in there that we were playing with in the house. Also, her player of the year trophy was casually on their dining room table and it was just sort of posted up just there. Just chilling. Yeah. But she was really cool. She, I mean, they, they told us they are like the most outgoing bunch, the entire Arsenal squad, yeah. and that both her and Lisa are the hosts of all things football. So they have this massive, massive sofa that everybody comes over to watch football. And they're also the party hosts. Well, if you guys a, need a DJ and you're listening, hit me up. There is a Halloween party that they throw. There is? Every year. Okay, so the end goal of this World Cup is basically to become friends with them. So by October time, we can all be invited to this Halloween party. Yeah. I think that's a good goal. It's all about setting goals. You yeah, know? it's all and about setting goals. It's, 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 it's a good goal. <laughs> and I think it's a realistic one. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. I think between the two of us and our networks, we might be able to get yeah. to them and then arrange it. I met Evans on the Skype call the other day for about 0.005 seconds. So she might know who I am. So there's like a kind of in. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did you make yourself remembered during that? I waved. I went, hi. Yeah. And she went, oh, hi. And I was like, hey. And then I went back to the interview with Shannon. And, but we definitely had a connection. I could yeah, see it. I can see it. Yeah. So. Did, she, did she instantly know that you were, you were a gooner though? Like... No idea. No? I don't oh, think so. Okay. I didn't have like a gooner flag yeah. in the background or like wearing a shirt or anything. Well, if it doesn't work, we'll just go stand outside of their place because I know where they live. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just yeah. wave flags and wear kits and just totally make them all <laughs> uncomfortable and awkward. But getting back to the tournament, we've got Ellie Minjam who has gone into the deepest places of the internet, magazines, anywhere that he could find information, which was a lot. And he's built packages for every single team in this World Cup. And we are going to start with his team preview, which is more of a human interest thing, on France. So, here it is. Ranked fourth in the world, France qualified automatically as hosts and in great form off the back of dominant results in friendlies against fellow favourites Denmark, Brazil and Japan. The sky's the limit with this team, where not only are they expected to win their group, but arguably the entire tournament, thanks to an unprecedented level of home support that has seen their group matches all but sold out, and over 5 million people tune in to watch the French squad announcement on live television. But when it comes to the French team, here's what you really need to know. Inside Inside school. There's no doubt that France head to this tournament with an incredibly strong team, one many in France consider the greatest women's side of all time, and this, combined with their role as hosts, mean expectations are through the roof. But the problem with that is, Le Blues as they're known, whilst having always boasted world-class competitive squads, have never actually reached a final of a major tournament, and in fact, have only reached a semi-final twice. Such disappointment has seen manager after manager fall by the wayside nearly every second summer. However, if anyone is going to buck this trend, it's current boss Corinne Dacre, who in 2014 became the first ever female coach of a professional men's team, when she became the head coach for League Two side Clermont. In charge for a solid three and a half seasons with a measly budget, Dacre led the side to respectable finishes of 12th, 7th and 12th which was enough to convince the French FA, who had just got rid of another coach after a disappointing Euro 2017, that she was the right woman for the national job. Now, whilst Dacra may not have had much to work with at Clermont, when it comes to the national women's team, it's the complete opposite, where at her disposal is a brilliant combination of experienced veterans and promising youngsters, many of whom play their club football together at arguably the world's best female club, Olympic Lyon. In fact, during France's recent 4-0 demolition of Denmark, six of the starting 11 came from the European Cup holders, including the inspiring Wendy Renard, who grew up playing the game with a plastic bottle on the beach on her home island of Martinique, before relocating 7,000 miles to Paris by herself as a teenager, just to pursue her dream of playing the game. After bringing enormous pride to her tiny island, Renard now has the chance to do the same for the entire French Republic, and it couldn't come at a more critical time. Last summer, we all saw the Champs-Élysées and its surrounding streets turn into a sun-soaked party as the men's performances in Russia created celebratory pandemonium on the back of every match they played. The deeper they went in the tournament, the longer the festivities, as group stage wins and day parties evolved into semi-final success and overnight celebrations. And then, of course, there was the return of the trophy, which created a week-long soiree in Paris, where the only place to be was in blue, red and white in the middle of the capital. However, as another summer looms around the corner, those same streets have been shut down each and every weekend for very different reasons. 
as the Gillette Jaune or Yellow Vest movement, initially a protest in response to costly petrol prices, has morphed six months later into a far more broad rebellion against a range of social issues that has seen the capital shut down nearly every Saturday amongst a haze of tear gas, riot police and firebombs. Despite mass police intervention, many of the original demands by protesters met and even offers from President Macron himself to negotiate in person, the protests have continued each and every weekend, and it seems like the positivity in Paris seen last summer is further away than ever. But whilst it may seem fanciful, as it is a home World Cup, and given the anticipation for the tournament evident from ticket sales and media coverage, if this French women's team can somehow replicate the men's achievement of Russia 2018, well the fans may replicate the celebrations, and it may just be the key to bringing peace to Paris, if only for a weekend or two. We smashed it there with the facts, I feel like I've just learned a hell of a lot. Yeah, that's why I like uh, Ellie's approach to things, right, is it humanises everything for us to understand in a different sense. It's not so much tied to formations and who's going to play and who's not going to play, but brings us a little bit more about the team, the quality, and then and then obviously the larger issues and why this is meaningful and why we should care, not just now, but through the entire tournament, not just for the hosts, France. We've got these for every single team in the tournament from Thailand to France. It's going to be uh, an, inc- an incredible amount of, uh, of stories that you can then you know take on in your day and, and share with people and give you a little bit more reason to, to follow and watch every game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing Thailand's actually because I did I tried to do a bit of research on the squad before the tournament. There's not a hell of a lot online. So watching them play here and listening to Ellie's sort of fun facts sort of thing maybe not so fun some of them is going to be really interesting like you said the not so fun part of it is what what makes it real right we don't want to insulate ourselves from all the other things that should make this matter more and if you're not a massive fan of the game itself but you're just a human in general this should make you care or pay attention or have some sort of connection to to the tournament itself and i think that's really important and, and it's a real big step forward for us to keep continuing to share these even if they're not the most brightful stories uh, to give perspective on things. And like he said, we've got one for every single country involved in the tournament, including this one, which is Korea. No doubt the lightweights of Group A, South Korea have only been in the World Cup twice before, but currently boasting their highest ever ranking of 14, a defence that only conceded once during all of qualifying, an attack that put away 30, and a manager who's been at their helm for more than seven years. The Taegut Warriors, as they're affectionately known back home, are not just here to make up the numbers, and will have ambitions of their own to make it to the knockout stages. But here's what you really need to know when it comes to this South Korean team. Inside Inside school. Whilst the narrative being discussed on the opening night will all be centred around host France and the beginning of their journey to an expected home final, an even juicier narrative surrounds their opponent South Korea, who will be focused on their own story, which is one of revenge and retribution, four years on from a match that left them bloodied and bruised on the scoreboard and in person. You see, when they qualified for Canada 2015 after a 10-year World Cup absence, not much was expected of a South Korean side who had been grouped with Brazil and Spain. But after a plucky win against the Spanish, the Koreans found themselves in the knockout stages of the tournament. But that's when the fun stopped and the reality kicked in, as the French took the Koreans to task, going up in the fourth minute, doubling their lead in the eighth minute, and putting away a third right after half-time. If picking the ball out of the net three times was tough enough for Korean goalkeeper Kim Jung-mi, with the goalkeeper receiving a black eye after a collision with teammate Park Eun-sun. And then it got even worse, with Jungmi receiving a swollen cheek after an aerial battle with France's Wendy Renard. Now whilst Jungmi won't be lining up at this summer's tournament, you can be assured the Koreans, led by Chelsea star and Korean all-time goalscorer Ji Son Yoon, known as G Messi in her homeland, 
will be out to make amends for the results of that forgettable night in Canada. And whilst the stadium that night will be overwhelmingly behind the French, the South Koreans will take solace in the huge support they have back home, where in April, a record-breaking 15,000 fans turned out for the team's World Cup send-off friendly against Iceland. Whilst many attributed the huge audience to the four-year absence of international women's football in the country, others see the support as an extension of the momentous feminist movement sweeping South Korean society at the moment. Most notably, the Me Too movement, inspired by the fury over the country's Molka subculture. A voyeuristic epidemic that involves secret spy camera gear used predominantly by men to film unsuspecting predominantly female members of the public in bathrooms and other intimate places. With both the police and the courts failing to deal with the issue for some time, last July, an estimated 22,000 women took to the streets of Seoul in what local media reported as the biggest women's rights demonstration in South Korea's history. And things started to change not long after this, with the country's president, Moon Jae-in, calling for tougher penalties for perpetrators. Soon after that, arrests increased tenfold amongst all facets of society, as everyone from provincial governors to corporate CEOs were publicly hauled in front of the courts. But most significant of all has been the fallout in the K-pop world, Korea's multi-billion dollar entertainment industry whose power and popularity for so long made its stars untouchable to any kind of scandal and or accusation. But when a Korean Idol star was arrested on suspicion of filming and distributing footage of at least 11 women without their consent, and then a member of Big Bang known as the Kings of K-Pop was arrested on similar charges, the industry's top management firms began to suffer huge drops in shares, an unimaginable situation only a year previously. Since then, a number of K-Pop stars have continued to be either accused, arrested and or charged in partaking in the Molka culture, leading to the top dogs of the industry finally being held to account where they have promised a complete restructure of the once impenetrable culture. And whilst the odds are against them getting out of the group, the Taeguk Warriors only need to look at the spirit of their fellow females back home to know that no opponent is impossible to take on. Sweet. Mate, I love South Korea. I've been to Seoul once and it was an amazing, amazing place. Is it? The thing that I noticed most about it is everyone's so nice and polite. And also, they're steezy as hell. Like, their fashion sense is on point. I turned up in, like, shorts and t-shirts. I was just backpacking. I was just like, I feel really underdressed. And I'm just walking out to get a bottle of water. Yeah. I've always tried to say that uh, Japanese have the best fashion. Everybody that's been to Korea says, no, no, no. The Koreans. Apparently, their fashion week is wild. Really? Really good. Yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, amazing research from Ellie there to bring it all together. Obviously, massive things happening right now. But, you know, women doing some great things, championing a massive movement. So hopefully that leads to some momentum also for this team in the World Cup. Tough group for them. Yeah, really tough, really tough. I'm really excited for the opening game though. I definitely think they're going to bring the heat, man. Like for them, I guess everyone sees them as a bit of an underdog and they have nothing to lose. So I think they're going to bring it. Do you think they'll be able to get anything out of this first match against against France? Because all, all the talk has been about, uh, about France, right? Which Which... It always goes two ways, right? The sleeping giant of Korea that could could nothing to lose, just come out there and perform, or be completely dominated by a French team that that is sort of set up for success. I'd like to say there's going to be some sort of romantic story where they definitely put in a a close battle in terms of the scoreline. But if I had to put my money on a team, it would have to be France, just because of who they have in the team and um, who Korea, who South Korea don't, I guess. But you know, like Ellie said, their captain a star in Chelsea squad and if if they're gonna if I'm gonna bet on anyone to score it would be her too so amazing well 
Mm. I've got a little quiz game for you. Maybe you'll come up with your own throughout this tournament, (laughs) but since I was uh, just browsing through some information, I decided to see how prepared you are for this World Cup. So... I'm going to throw have a like few options or just no, like just a straight knowledge or not knowledge. Actually, the whole point of this is, is to educate the audience. Right. Not just by using the you as, dummy. as the dummy. Yeah. No, it's not. Right. This, this is for everyone to learn. Okay. No one loses here. Except, if you need to know about Bordeaux maybe. wine, I drank about four glasses last night. So Did I can you? tell you all about that. But. I like that. I'd love to know more yeah. about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not in today's quiz. I've only got a couple questions for you though. All right, go on. So you ready? Yeah. 30 million. What does that mean? It's the amount of money I would like in my bank account. Okay. That's not wrong, but it's also not right to my question. 30 million <laughs> is the amount of prize money in this World Cup, which has doubled from 15 million in 2015. Pretty good. Yes, I heard yeah. about that. What is the men's? That's what I'd like to know. All right. <laughs> well, to take a hard left turn, um, the men's was... 400 million. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not great when you put those two next to each other. 41 years. Hmm. Well, it's not It's not as long as the T, the World Cups, Women's World Cup's been going, I'm pretty sure. Um, is it the oldest player in the... You got it. Woo! Formiga. 41 years and I think a little over 100 days, maybe. Yeah, that's a lot. What an absolute that's a lot G. Of, that's a lot of years. What am I going to be doing when I'm 41? Not playing in a World Cup. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And then there's uh, Ingrid Yelmseth is 39. And then uh, 37, 36, 36. Yeah, some well-aged uh, players Veterans. in this one. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You're going to make a comeback? No. <laughs> there, I, did you not hear earlier on when I was talking about playing in our Copa 90 league? I, yeah. I, I struggled uh, just to get through those. So the number three. The number three? Yeah, it could be anything. That could be, any, that, mate, that could be anything. It is uh, the third time that this tournament's made its way to Europe. Oh. Where were the other two? Germany in 2011 and Sweden in 1995. Mm-hmm. Number four. How many legs a chair usually has? That is fair. I should actually give you points <laughs> yeah, for that. Yeah, give me points C- for that. You should, you should get points for creative answers. Unfortunately, the there are no points here. Uh, it is just <laughs> right or wrong, but we all win because we're learning stuff along the way. That is the amount of teams that have won the tournament since its inception in 1991. Okay. USA, Norway, Japan, and Germany have won all of the tournaments, gobbled it all up, taken all the prizes away from anyone. This is our year. Who is our? Oh, England, obviously. Okay. And this is your year, huh? This is our year. Well, that's all I got for you today. But we're going to be doing some day in numbers where we're going to be quizzing each other. Maybe we'll get some guests on here, put them to the test when they're in the clubhouse. Just see how well read they are and all things. We're going to make up all kinds of stuff about the amount of steps we are here at our clubhouse from Pompey Dew Center, all kinds of stuff like that. uh, To inform people, educate people, and give them something to listen to 
wherever they're heading. Every single day day we're going to be in your ear. You're welcome. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a review as well. That would be great. And hashtag copper90 inside out. Yeah, and get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you guys. Send us your emails and voice notes to footballinsideout at copa90.com. That's footballinsideout at copa90.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on the show, the things you feel, the things you like. You can be an expert. You can do uh, our overheard segment, which is just tell us random things that you've heard in a stadium that uh, are ridiculous to you, and we'll share those on the show. That's it from us. See you tomorrow. Bye. Copper 90, football inside out. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 